Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 15, 22-27, called, I Am Your Healer. That revival we've all been praying for, let's pray harder. The record of Christian awakenings during the last 2,000 years shows that whenever the word of God is recovered, it is received with great joy, which is inevitably expressed in song. The medieval Latin hymns cluster around the fresh days of the monastic movements. This is our Kent Hughes. The Protestant Reformation brought a rebirth of music to the church. When we think of the Wesleyan revival, we not only think of John Wesley, but his brother Charles, who gave us so many great hymns. And then the great harvest of souls, here in our country in the late 60s and 70s, brought a revival of scripture singing and the Maranatha music and all of that. When the word of God richly dwells within the people of God, it will be expressed often in song and gratitude. When God made the world, Job 38, 7 says, the morning stars or the angels sang together and all the sons of God uh, shouted for joy. I will tell you on a practical level, I believe that worship is a remedy for worry. Um, because when we worship, it does something to our heart. Paul, writing from prison, says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, and the word for prayer there can be worship, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? No matter what period of time we live in, and we live in an incredibly privileged period of time, we can, we can worship instead of worrying. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. David, running from Saul, and had so many different issues and problems. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he made my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust the Lord. When Israel defeated Jabin and Sisera, Deborah and Barak uh, sang a song on that day. They, the leaders led in Israel and the people volunteered and blessed the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O rulers. To the Lord I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord, the God of Israel, Judges 5. One through three. There's many songs I could tell you about, but we've only done one verse. So let's move on to verse two. And yes, I will move quickly. The song says, The Lord, Yahweh, is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will extol him. We've had a movement of deconstruction in America where many young people have deconstructed their faith to the point where they have no faith left. And sometimes they're even rejecting the faith of their parents. It's a deadly game that's being played where people are hearing five-minute podcasts and making decisions about the historic Christian faith based upon very minimal information. 
And we have you know, famous worship leaders and the like walking away from their faith because they struggle with the idea of hell or you know, good people in other religions and so forth. But these are basic questions that you would think that people who have been around the church for a little while have already wrestled through. I'm not saying they're easy questions, but they are kind of Christianity 101. And it's amazing what's happening in our day in terms of people deconstructing their faith. But the Lord is my strength and my song. He is my Father's God, and he will be my God. I will praise him. And whenever the Lord is your strength, he will be your song. And let me flip it around. Whenever he is your song, he will be your strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He doesn't just give me strength. He is my strength. Amen? Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. Did you know that your God is a warrior? Did you know that in Revelation 19, Jesus is depicted as riding on a white horse, leading the armies of heaven, probably an angelic army. Some people think the church is there as well. And he's riding to conquer his enemies, almost like this ancient scene by the Red Sea. And you know who's going to try to fight him on that day? It's going to be the Antichrist and his armies. And the Lord's going to come and destroy him with his glory and with the breath of his mouth. The Antichrist stands no, he's got no chance. But this is what the world has done because they think that the ultimate enemy is God. Karl Marx said the ultimate suppressor is God. That's why he wrote what he wrote. That's why it's influenced so much of the world. He says the ultimate suppressor is God. And the next one down, or oppressor, is God and the church. And that's how, when people imbibe Marxism, that's what they think. God is the ultimate oppressor, and second to God is the church. And then Christian parents. Do you guys see what's going on here? This is the worldviews that are clashing right now. But the Lord is a warrior. And Moses said in the previous chapter, our God will fight for us. And that's what you need to know, brethren. Our God will fight for us. And not only will he fight, he will win. And here's another practical application. When you put on the armor of God, you are literally putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate warrior. That's what you're doing. You're putting on his strength when you put on the armor of God. And why would you put it on? Because you have a battle to fight. Not against flesh and blood. We know where the battle lies. It's in uh, spiritual uh, places and doctrines of demons. And that's where we see it. So here's what happened to the enemy as they sing. Various chariots and his army. He cast, God cast him into the sea. The choicest of his officers, the best The greatest military in the world, he drowned in the Red Sea. The deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Down, down, down went the armies of Egypt. And enough of this nonsense about, oh, you know what happened? Here's a natural explanation of how they went across the Red Sea. They found some land mass and they tiptoed through six inches of water to get to the other side. No, they didn't. The Egyptian army drowned in that water and they went down into the depths, says the word of God, which is a large body of water. They went down, they sunk like lead, if you will. They had cement sandals on. Some of you who have been around Italian circles know 
the idea of cement shoes, but we won't go there. Here's a staircase uh, parallelism, a repetition of God's mighty works, like we would sing in a modern song. Thy right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Thy right hand, there's the repetition, O Lord, shatters the enemy. The right hand is power and skill. In the greatness of thine excellence, thou dost overthrow those who rise up against thee. Thou dost send forth, verse 7, thy burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. They wanted Israel to make bricks with no straw, and now they've become chaff. And at the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were piled up. Notice what happened. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. We get a little bit more insight about what happened to the sea walls. And the deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. God parts the sea with a blast of his nostrils. Have you ever sang a song like that? With a blast of your nostrils, O Lord. Right? Now this is what scholars call anthropomorphic terminology. That's a 50 cent term that simply means they take God who is spirit and give him, give him human attributes so you can understand a little bit of what's happened here. God does not have a nose or ears or the like. He's spirit, but this is a way to convey the idea. This is how God's power was manifest. And the enemy said, here's what the enemy was thinking. I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified. In other words, they said something like this. Those Israelites are nothing they're not trained in war. We're just going to dominate them. We'll kill some of them and re-enslave the rest. I will draw out my sword. My hand shall destroy them. And here's what God said. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. And then the song says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like thee? Majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. Can you imagine the Egyptians watching the uh, soldiers wash up on the shore. They had to be amazed at what God had just done. He had destroyed an enemy that they probably thought they would never get rid of. Many of them thought, I'll never get out of here. I'll never leave Egypt. And that's how some of us feel with life's big, you know, intimidating things. Things like death and disease and all these difficulties that we deal with. Will these giants ever be behind us one day? And we will be on the other side of the sea, brethren, one day, so to speak. And we'll be singing praises like, who is like you, O God? The answer is nobody. Nobody is like the Lord. Not the gods of Egypt. Nobody. And of course, this has been proven emphatically at the Red Sea. There is no one holy like you, Lord. Hannah sang. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. That's Hannah's song, 1 Samuel 2, 2. And so you did stretch out your hand, your, thy right hand, 12, and the earth swallowed them. Here's another image. Uh, remember when Korah decides to rebel against Moses' leadership? This is Numbers 16. Just write it down for your notes. Uh, specifically verse 32, Moses said something like this. Okay, whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here to me. Whoever's on Korah's side, go over to him. And then the earth literally opened up and swallowed the people on Korah's side. And they literally went down to Sheol in the view of the people. Ah! How many of you remember uh, the, uh, the movie Ghost? You remember that movie? You remember when the bad guys are grabbed by those little demonic dark figures? <laughs> they go down. Oh, it's great movie making. Something similar here. 
And I'll tell you what, when the people of Israel saw Horus and those go down, there was a holy fear among God's people. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for We'd reaching love out. to see who's You can listening. also find our so mailing So please connect with us on, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And I'll tell you what, when the people of Israel saw Korah and those go down, there was a holy fear among God's people. And so... It's obvious that God is the true God and you want to be on his team. Here's his love in his hased, in his loving kindness, that is his covenant love, his faithfulness, his mercy. Thou has led the people whom thou has redeemed in thy strength. Thou has guided them to thy holy habitation. Now you're going to see something that scholars call a prophetic perfect here. This hymn is prophetic in that it's going to talk about events that have yet to happen as though they have occurred. And one day, God is going to get his people all the way to his holy habitation. We are going to end up in heaven, and we can sing of it as though it's already happened, brethren. Here's just quickly, we can see the prophetic perfect here. The peoples have heard and they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. They couldn't uh, deal with them yet, but this is a prophetic perfect. It would happen. The chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab, these are people groups, four regions that they had to deal with. Trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan, Rahab the harlot said, we've heard of what your God did and our hearts melted. They've melted away. Write down Joshua 2.10. That happened about 40 years later. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they are motionless as a stone. Until thy people pass over. Third staircase parallelism. O Lord, until thy people pass over. Whom thou hast purchased. Notice, he redeems his people by the blood of the Lamb. Thou will bring them and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. The place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thy dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign. Let's all say it together. Forever and ever. God's going to bring us to his holy mountain. One scholar I read this week said, you could apply this to maybe there's ambiguity here for different generations to apply it to Mount Sinai, to the future Temple Mount, and then all the way to the future New Jerusalem. We are going to end up at the Mount of the Lord. Amen? And we're going to be singing, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He will reign and we will reign with him as a kingdom of priests to our God forever." And ever and forever he will be showing us the kindness and the grace that he has given to us in Jesus Christ. And so the final few verses, the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea. The Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. And then we see Miriam the prophetess. Moses calls her Aaron's sister. She was Moses' sister, but Aaron's the oldest sibling. So this is humility and respect. She took the timbrel in her hand 
And all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. And Miriam answered, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. When Paul writes about the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and consolation. And I believe that if someone has a prophecy in our modern time, and I'm not talking about that they add to the Bible, the Bible is closed. I'm talking about something that would give encouragement, edification, exhortation, and consolation. That sometimes that prophetic word, if you will, will end up coming in a song. Over the years, I've been amazed at certain uh, songwriters and how many incredible inspired songs they write. I'm talking about now incite about God and so forth. And I think of Chris Tomlin because Chris Tomlin wrote a bunch of songs about God and about creation and stuff that just cause you to almost soar up to the throne room. And there are many gifted songwriters. But here's what I'm saying, that sometimes a word of encouragement will come in the idea of speaking forth the word of God in a song. That's why you need to be in corporate worship in the music time as well. Because you could get encouraged more sometimes by the song than you may by the preaching. Don't ever tell me that. But, uh, <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. The song can edify. The word of God edifies. Of course, we want songs to be scripture, and that's why they edify, but you get the point. And this is what Miriam did. She, she was a prophetess even before Moses was called a prophet. And I believe that the main expression in our day of what this might look like is that you would share a scripture with someone or perhaps the Lord gives a song to someone and it edifies and exhorts and it consoles. Thank you, Lord, for songs like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Thank you for the songs of Christmas. Thank you for the great hymns of the church. Thank you for the times when there was revival and reformation in our own land where songs began to speak of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Thank you for how music has cheered our souls through the ups and downs of our own personal journey, Lord. Thank you for corporate worship. And thank you for the song by the sea, the song of Moses. Because as we read in Revelation 15, we'll sing some form of it even when we are in heaven and on the other side of all of our trials. And we will get there. And that's the final word that I just want to share. As your head and hearts are bowed, we're going to make it. The glory cloud never left the people the whole time of the exodus. The Lord says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Paul says, he will bring me safely home into his heavenly kingdom. If you're not sure that you're a Christian, this would be a wonderful time to make sure to trust in the Lord, to say something this simple yet this profound. Lord Jesus, I believe you came into the world to save sinners. I'm a sinner and I repent of what I've done. Please forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you resurrected from the dead as you promised. And I believe that you're in heaven interceding for your people. And I want to be a follower of Christ. Change my heart. Renew me. Let me be born again of your Holy Spirit. If you've been wandering, 
You, uh, you would say you're a Christian, but you've been wandering. Maybe this is the first time in a long time that you've wandered into a church. Maybe you've been watching and considering the Christian faith. There's no one like our God. He's holy, yet he's incredibly loving. And he so loved the world that he sent his son. His loving kindness is better than life. He will love you to the end. All you have to do is repent and trust him. Respond to his love. He will save you. He will seal you. He will make you his child. He will show you his plan for your life. You can use gifts for his glory. You can have a transcendent cause to live for. And know that when you die, you will still be by his side and he will be by yours. Thank you, Father, for this great hope songs of salvation. We love you. And as we sing this last song, I pray you bless your people and strengthen them in every way they need it. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to I Am Your Healer, part one on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 15, 22 through 27. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? And if you're listening on podcasts, could you please click the share button? If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, in the message, we talked about the fasting in the wilderness to learn more about God. You know, when we push down the flesh, we elevate the things of the spirit. But we also said it reveals a lot about us. And let's just pause for a second because you may be saying, well, I don't necessarily want to learn more about me. (laughs) I don't want to even be in that position where I'd have to find out what's in me. (laughs) And honestly, sometimes when we go through something, we don't like what we see. What do we do then? Well, then we have an opportunity to change, don't we? Because if we don't like the way we've responded to something, then perhaps it will be a platform for change, a springboard to turn away from whininess or self-centeredness. It's, it's not fun, but it's productive. It, it's not uh, what I necessarily would sign up for, but it is uh, ultimately making me more like Christ. Don't forget that Jesus went through something similar in his own time of uh, testing and temptation in the wilderness over that 40-day period where he was hungry and he was thirsty. And he succeeded where we have failed. So lest we project this idea of a works righteousness, let's be clear. Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He retraced our fallen footsteps and overcame where we have failed. And and that's the gospel. That's the good news. Christ did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But now through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can fulfill the righteous requirements of the law uh, by faith. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 4, I believe. And so, uh, I just want to encourage you. You're not alone if you if you say I'm not ready for that. 
you know, we're not ready for a lot of things in life, but when they come, the question becomes, what does God want to do? And if we're open to that, change indeed will come. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We are moving through the book of Exodus. We have been looking at a message called, I Am Your Healer. And you know what? The Lord ultimately has come to heal our souls. And one day this universe will be healed, this world. Everything will be redeemed. We'll get new bodies. Uh, there'll be new heavens and a new earth. And some of you may have questions like that. Well, if the Lord's my healer, why am I not healed now? Well, the Lord does heal, and that's up to his sovereign will. When he does heal, when he decides to say my grace is sufficient, when he takes people home, is really up to him. But ultimately, we're going to receive a healing uh, that will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. And for those of you, for for you who are maybe hurting and, and maybe you're going through some loss right now, uh, I pray that the Lord would heal your heart and give you hope uh, through the lens of what is coming, because what is coming is beautiful and it's based upon the promise of God. Well, I look forward to seeing you next time right here on Walk in Truth. Thank you for your prayers. We love you. See you tomorrow. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 15, verses 22 through 27, called I Am Your Healer. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.